I'm Justin. I'm Meredith. And this is Dead Talk. And I'm Sarah. I'm Sar- Sarah's here too. <laughs> face is just coming up with a name yeah especially because like i don't know like i like the name dead talk but at the same time like especially when i was like doing this the research for this one like and like the other missing persons cases we've covered it's like people that have missing persons don't want to lose hope in a podcast that's titled dead talk right yeah Mm. i don't know I, i think it'll definitely be a good change once we figure it out and i think I think we're all starting to kind of get the flow of it, so that's good. I, 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 yeah. I think if we stick with it and actually go, like, I think I think we could be successful. I really do. And whatever successful means for us, I guess. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing with podcasts, especially, like, as much as I hate to admit it, um, true crime podcast is, like, a really oversaturated market. But really as is. long as it's, you know, as long as we don't have any kind of, like, you know, aspirations to be the best out there or, like, become millionaires doing this or anything like that, as long as we, you know, keep our expectations realistic, I think we could really take it pretty far. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think um, the intro that me and you were talking about earlier today, like, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the way that we, ha- <laughs> like, the way we were talking, like, I think that'd be, like, a really cool intro, because I haven't heard one like that yet. Right. And I, I don't know, like when I was like, as we were like spitballing back and forth, I was like, oh yes, this actually sounds really cool. Well, our our the name that we did come up with, I kind of try, I kind of like did it in that voice, and I was like, that is kind of long. Yeah, plus, yeah, no, it yeah, is, for, for plus sure. for a business card, it's like, yeah. Well, see, like with the business card, you can always just do like a logo that has all of that, so it doesn't take up too much room. Right. All right. As some of you may have noticed, Meredith is not here with us right now because she we're adults and we can't always find the time. So I will yeah. be recording with her later. Yay. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read mine, mine twice and kind of just edit that madness together. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what I we'll see like what I can get. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, Meredith oh, isn't oh, here. Yeah, um, I got two feel good stories, so you guys each get to hear Ooh. one. Because I, I found two this week, and I was like, "Ooh, this is a good one. Oh, this is a good one. I'm just gonna read them both, and then it, it kind of all works out." Yeah. So that's gonna be it's gonna be a weird splicing together, everybody, but it'll be fun. It will be. All right. So mine is kind of short, and I don't know how long yours is. Mine's kind of longer, so that works out. Well, so would you like me to go first? Yeah. And go then, for it. all right. So. I actually just kind of, um, cause you shared me that, uh, that one page for the, um, missing transgenders. Yeah. Yeah. The trans doe task force. Yep. So I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of, cause like we decided we're going to do some stories on that next week and kind of dedicate it all to that. Um, mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, well, let me just do like a missing person in Michigan. This is about the disappearance of Paige Rinkowski. 
Aronkoski. Uh, this is one of Michigan's longest running cold cases. How long there's, has it been cold? Uh, 30 years, roughly. Oh, God. Uh, Facebook, there's a Facebook group called, uh, I'll put that, we'll share it across all our medias, or, so, or social medias. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the group's name is Paige Rinkowski52490, Never Give Up. And I, didn't know, I did not know, I've never heard about this story, which is a shame, because, I mean, I was born in the same city she was born in. She was born in uh, Lansing, Michigan on uh, February 2nd of 1960. Her sister Michelle said she was a hardworking and fun-loving. She was 30 years old at the time she went missing. She worked as a uh, preschool aide and she was working towards a degree in early childhood development. She was engaged to a man named Steve Deborah Bander and they lived uh, in Lansing. Honestly, I couldn't get, like, a lot of um, information. I did see that they, like, they're very active on their Facebook page still, because I was kind of just reading through some stuff. There's a new task force on her case. I've seen that they just did an interview with another podcast. I didn't have a chance to listen to it, although I really want to. Is it the Criminal Prince podcast? Yeah, and that was actually one of the things that really got me thinking that, hey, we need a name change because we're doing missing, we're doing missing people, like. Yeah, hopefully missing, hope not yeah. deceased. Yeah, but it's like. I don't know. We've already talked about that. Move yeah. past it. <laughs> Day of the incident, she um, decided she was going to drive. She drove her mother to the Detroit Metropolitan Airport on May 24th of 1990 at around 11.30 a.m. She then went to visit a friend in Canton, Michigan. She was seen at a store in Canton between 2.30 and 2.45 to purchase. Uh, she's purchasing some beer. The store clerk remembered seeing her and said she was wearing, quote, Distinctive multicolored, loose fitting flower patterned pants and a distinctive necklace. She was last seen near Fowlerville on the shoulder of Interstate 96. She is speaking with a man who is standing next to his maroon colored minivan. A few hours later, her vehicle, which was a 1986 Oldsmobile Cutlass Calais, I don't know how to pronounce that, C A L A I S. I've never heard of this <laughs> brand. I mean, I know what Cutlass is, but. Yeah. Um,. Her vehicle was found in the same spot a few hours later, still idling. Her shoes and purse were inside, and the car was locked. Mm. She was last seen wearing a white silk shirt, um, a beaded necklace, and silk pattern slacks. When investigators found her car, it was not initially processed as a crime scene, so considered an abandoned vehicle. The car was undamaged and locked. Someone reported seeing her there around 3 p.m. The first responding officer showed up around 6. So, I mean... I don't want to blame the officer for anything. And, like, procedure back then was way different than now. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, you find a vehicle on the side of the road that's still running. And it's yeah, locked. Purse, purse and shoes inside. Like. That is a little weird. Like, shouldn't that ring some kind of bell? Like, I know it's 1990, but come on. People weren't fucking idiots. Not any more than now, at least. <laughs> right. People have always been dumb. Yeah, so I'm not trying to blame the officer, but at the same time, come on, dude. Anyways, once they found out she was missing, they looked over the vehicle. They found several fingerprints along with a palm print, and no matches have yet been discovered. Police are still actively looking for her and her disappearance. Unfortunately, um, this uh, missing person has been ruled as a homicide, even though no body has been discovered. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been so long. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I think after a certain point, they just kind of call it. Yeah. Uh, since she vanished, police have searched ponds. They began dig operations. 
In June of 1990, workers began erecting billboards. 25 were planned, uh, and more recently, in May of 2013, authorities announced that they would be erecting billboards featuring Paige as well as two other missing women. Her mother passed in December of 2017. Oh. On February 2nd, this is kind of sweet but sad. On February 2nd of 2018, they had a dual memorial service for Paige and her mother. Oh. And, I mean, that's pretty much it. This, Like I said, this is still unsolved. This is one of Michigan's longest running cases. Um, people are still searching for her. Like I said, they have a new task force on it. Our fa- the Facebook page is still active. And like I said, the page is Paige Rinkowski. 52490 never give up and once again we will share that across all of our social medias and that's what i got that always kills me like especially whenever like a parent passes before they can find out like i'm sure they're already prepared that you know page is gone but at least a body a body yeah like letters, some sort of like closure something like even if it's not like even if it's just someone body. stepping forward and going i did it this is what happened yeah. or like i saw this happen i came across this thing i think this is the same incident something just that's so sad yeah it's unfortunate kind of like the um case down there uh with that up and vanished podcast i don't know if you listen oh, yeah. to that one yeah how i believe it was the mother who passed before all the news broke out about them finding her body or mm-hmm. at least found out what happened or bo dukes finding out what happened and all that i haven't listened to the podcast in a while so i'm not quite up to date i can't remember i'm gonna look it up really super quick while i'm talking but um there was do you remember a psychic named sylvia brown that sounds very familiar she was like big in like the 90s this i can't even remember which show it was uh montel williams or something like that sylvia brown would be on these shows and she was a self-professed psychic and people would be like my mom's missing my daughter's missing my cousin's missing my brother's missing you know whatever and she would talk to the spirit world and find out for them and one lady and i really wish i gotta look this up so i can do an article on it but one lady um was asking about her daughter who was missing and sylvia brown told her like sorry she's dead you need to to move on she's saying she loves you but like don't keep looking for her And the mom was, you know, obviously devastated and she passed away a few years later. And then a couple years after that, the daughter was found alive. Bruh. Yeah, it was. No. It was so sad. (laughs) That's fucked up. Psychics are shit. Okay, well. Well, the ones that uh, prey on people. Let me rephrase that because, see, I don't know if I believe I believe that there's energy in this world, and I believe that some people are more in touch with it than others. But those psychics that are like, I'll do a reading on you for $40, those are bullshit. Yeah. And the people that, what is that one median? Um, She's on TV and talks to dogs and shit, I'm pretty sure. Or animals. (laughs) Oh my god, people are obsessed with her. Median who talks to dogs. Is it like the dog whisperer? No. That's... Like, maybe I'm thinking of two different things. Fuck. Median girl show. That gave me nothing. Maybe I should look up psychic median. Psychic? Maybe I'm just imagining shit. 
I don't watch much TV anymore, so I wouldn't be much help. I don't watch TV either, but uh, this is the bitch. What is it? What show is it? It's not the show Medium. No, motherfuckers, maybe it's not her. I didn't mean to call her a bitch. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I found uh, the the fake psychic reading, by the way. It was the, the kidnapped victim was Amanda Berry, who was kidnapped in 2004. Or... No, wait. She was kidnapped in 2003. And um, the mother talked to Sylvia Brown on November 2004. And she said she's not alive, honey. And uh, that Amanda was, quote, in water. And that she had, like, a vision of Amanda's jacket in the garbage with DNA on it. So then Amanda's mom died two years later. So she died in 2006, and then Amanda was found alive in 2013. I mean, I would be suing her. I mean, I don't know right? for what. I don't know for what. Long Island Medium. Oh, that chick. Yeah. I don't like her. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's just a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, and her hair. Fuck off. She just... <laughs> these people... <laughs> You ever see, see the show uh, Psychic or Psych? Psych. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. They're just reading people. Some, some are better at it than others. Now, I'm not saying there aren't people out there with gifts. But I ain't seeing those psychics winning the lottery. Right. That's not how it works. Fuck off. All right, I'm grumpy now. You want to tell yours? <laughs> yeah. uh, I ended up having to change my story because the other one that I was researching, like, I, I just wasn't feeling it there wasn't enough information and it was just there yeah. that's so anyway. what i was kind of feeling about pages like honestly there wasn't a lot of information to go on and i really wanted to listen to that podcast before i um mm. told mine but at the same time it's like there wasn't a lot of information around her disappearance yeah like you can only report what you can find and hope that maybe somebody listens to the podcast or you know word gets around yeah, so I mean, Bummer. it was missing people. Yeah, all right. I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. I'm bad so, at that. This one is actually my uh, new story of the day for the blog. So as of right now, it's not published on the blog yet. It's scheduled to go up in 16 minutes, so you get to hear it before anybody else does. Mm-hmm. No, not I'm, the I'm the, I'm the only podcast, one. Though. Just you. <laughs> Nobody else, like, everybody in the podcast has already been published, but sorry, guys. <laughs> should have so, been following today in horror history. You should have been. Sorry. Or you might be. In which case, hi. Thank you for right. coming over here, too. I appreciate it. I appreciate anyway. it. I appreciate you, Sarah. Yay, and I appreciate you, too. It's so crazy how everything just worked out. I love it. It's so great. Right? Alright, I'm sorry. I want to shut up now. <laughs> Uh, so this is the story of Dr. Thomas Neil Crane, who was a Canadian doctor. Um, because he was a doctor, he used his medical knowledge to access pharmaceuticals and use them to his advantage of poisoning people to death. Um, so cool. this was cool. this was um, back in the 1870s through 90s, by the way. 
Okay, I was, wait, when did the Hi- Hippocratic Oath take place? Hi- Way long time ago. Wait, was it before? Was it before this? I'm I am guaranteeing you that it was like. Uh, well, this is old. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure it goes back to ancient Greece. Yeah. Let's see. Do do do. do. Yeah, yeah. It, this is yeah, fifth century BC. <laughs> so a couple years before. Thomas, couple, one or two, or a few centuries, a couple thousand years, you know. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, his first suspected murder was that of his wife, Flora, who died suddenly and mysteriously in 1877. Uh, her doctor asked her, because her symptoms were similar to poisoning, uh, if she had recently taken any medication that maybe she was disagreeing with. And she said that her husband had sent her some pills and she had taken those. And then not too long after that, she died. But despite that being really suspicious, they didn't try to investigate that. So it's not really sure if he killed her or not. It's just pretty really it, suspicious. Right. It's like, we don't know if he killed her, but he definitely killed her. Like, okay. especially with <laughs> what happens, like, like as he goes on with his criminal career. Like, it, it's more and more likely. Okay. So then the next death that's attributed to him occurred two years later in August of 1879, when a woman named Kate Gardner was found in a shed near Cream's office in London, Ontario. She was reportedly his mistress, and that's from, like, more modern sources the contemporary ones don't really mention that at all a lot of them don't even mention her by name they just say a woman right but she was pregnant and she was killed with an overdose of chloroform and cream was suspected in the death but there is no evidence that could conclusively say whether she had killed herself like he was implying or that he had killed her because it could have gone either way. The bottle of chloroform was next to her body. So like he kind of got a pass on that one. But I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, in <laughs> retrospect, like hindsight, everybody's like, mm-hmm. right. And, I mean, that's just him leaving the bottle there after he killed her. Yeah. And that's <laughs> like, while the police couldn't, like, I'm sure they could have arrested him, but I doubt they would have gotten any kind of a, a conviction out of it, especially because he was a doctor. He had money. But um, even though he couldn't be charged, the public opinion of him swayed drastically, and he decided he was just going to move his practice somewhere else because they basically just were like, nope, that guy is a killer. Uh, this is kind of fishy, guys. So, uh... yeah. <laughs> like, let's not go to the death man. So he packed up all the stuff, went from Ontario, moved to Chicago, and so that was. Wait, he moved from Canada down to Chicago. Yeah. And what t- what year was this? This was 1879. Okay, so this is before H. H. Holmes, just barely. Yes. Yeah. And actually, like, while I was researching this, I saw an article about his execution, or well, his, uh, he wasn't executed yet, his conviction, and two articles over was an article about the upcoming Chicago World's Fair. 
Oh, it's creepy. It's so it crazy. So I love that. Creepy, and I was like, oh my god, this is great. I love that kind of stuff. It's so cool. It's great. I mean, it's so it's fucked up. And oh yeah. I hate the fact that I backtrack so much. You motherfuckers <laughs> listening to this know what I mean, so fuck off. <laughs> I think of it more as clarifying than retracting. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not retracting what I'm saying. I think it's cr- insane, and like in a in a in a history perspective, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But it in a you know pe- people die right, it but in in a in a people dying aspect, it sucks. <laughs> yes. Like it's a it's an interesting coincidence. Mm-hmm. But but sad. Right. Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> so he moves to Chicago. Um, and then like almost immediately, um, two people die. <laughs> and uh, uh, they were they were both under his care. The um the contemporary newspapers and the more modern looks are a little conflicting. Um, but what I could kind of piece together between the two as far as what the most truth is, that's right. a phrase. Um, <laughs> one, of them, right? <laughs> one of them died by bleeding to death um, after a, quote, criminal operation, which was an abortion. That's how they worded it back then. Oh, and the other one had been given, quote, anti-pregnancy pills, um, which were later... I just pushed her on the stairs and gave her some more No, food. yeah, that's not a pill. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was strychnine. So, I mean, it kind of worked. Um, yeah, I mean... So... The... <laughs> yeah, but it worked. Kind of like... Never mind, like, nope. Oh, no. I, have, I have dark humor. I was, a, I was a shaking a baby. Oh no! <laughs> what a sad. Yeah. That was oh. a Peter Griffin reference, wasn't it? I mean, not at first, but then I remembered the episode as I was saying it. No. It kind of worked. Aww. That part oh. always gets me. Like I know it's supposed to be, you know, lighthearted and whatever, but at the I same time, people actually things. people actually do it. Yeah, I think like researching for the blog has kind of changed how I look at humor like that i'm like oh right you know oh, definitely man. like that's why i try to do these happy stories right at the end because Fine. after talking about right exactly okay dead baby or dead woman <laughs> sorry my god okay so yeah so these two ladies died and apparently people were like oh well i guess he's just a really bad doctor <laughs> but then a guy dies, and people are like, wait a minute now. So He's a really bad doctor. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh, you killed some women, that's alright. Oh, man. Wait, that's a person. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it was not a good time for us ladies. So, Daniel Stott, who was 61, uh, was seen by Dr. Cream for epilepsy, and would often send in his 33-year-old wife, Julia, to get his medication. Wait, how old was he? He was 61. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) So, Julia, like, apparently had an affair with Cream. This is all alleged, so I don't know if it's accurate or not. But 
because of this alleged affair, it's speculated that Daniel was poisoned to allow these two to continue their their dalliances. That's so, so stupid. The dude's yeah. 60 some odd years old. He's not even coming in for his medicine. He doesn't know. Yeah. 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 <sighs> So I'm thinking it's probably more along the lines of I'm sure he had money and it was probably more for inheritance. They were trying to get the money. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But I don't know. So Julia collected her husband's medicine as usual um, usual, and then gave him the dose and he died within minutes. The postmortem examination revealed that he... Within minutes? Within minutes. Yeah, it was like, like he was... It was done. Okay. Um, he had a dose of strychnine that was lethal enough to kill three adults. Okay, real quick. Sidebar. Again, sidebar. what is strychnine? Strychnine is... Oh, strict... Okay, that's spelt weird. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. The highly toxic colors, bitter crystalline alkaloid used as a pesticide. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's like rat poison. Yes. But like... Okay, all right, okay. And that's usually how, like, back then, that's where a lot of the serial poisoners got their strychnine, was from rat poison. There was, um, a, what do they call them? Do they call them Black Widows? Is that, not, is that what they call them? The uh, women they that go now. They didn't used to. They used to be called female bluebeards, which is stupid, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> they don't have beards. <laughs> well, like, because Bluebeard was a famous um, character from a thing somewhere, and he would kill his wives. And okay. so, so they were the female version of him. His wives was called a Bluebeard, and then the female version of that was called a female Bluebeard, and then they came up with Black Widow eventually. This is the problem with doing a podcast and listening to a podcast. I either heard a podcast about a Black Widow, or one of us discussed a Black Widow. And I, what is reality? I'm going down a hole. <laughs> Alright. I am so sorry. This is going to be such a shit job for me to edit. Let's just continue. Okay. <laughs> oh, so then... So, Daniel's death kind of poses all these questions because they actually did the post-mortem on him. I think uh, that Cream was just expecting them to be like his wife Flora and just kind of brush it under the carpet. So, he was like... Uh, whenever they did the examination he was like oh no he died under my care my medicine killed him well it must have been the pharmacist that sold me these ingredients I should sue him so he tried to sue this pharmacist did not work so he was arrested and convicted and sentenced to life oh okay but uh oh <laughs> 10 years later he God was released god damn it yeah um, wait wait I have a is the first thing he did was kill again? No. Oh. He did the thing first. He he took a little bit of time. Um, <laughs> officially, he was allowed to leave because of his, quote, ill health. Unofficially, he probably bribed his way out. Either way, he left North America to move to England in 1891. And he changed his name to escape his past. By using the incredibly creative name Thomas Neal instead of Thomas Neal Cream. That Just is creative. Whole other person <laughs> by doing that. 
So first he moved from the U.S. to England, and then he started killing people. So there's, you know, he, he does Wait, a lot of oh, stuff too. Okay, so now he's in England killing people. Yep. Cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so he targeted women that worked on the streets. And because of their profession, they were on the fringes of society. And nobody really cared that they were dying. Um, for the first two, at least. Then the third one died, and the police were like, wait a minute, this, this is bad. So they started investigating it, but unfortunately... Well, my, my favorite sex worker died, now we gotta do something. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah. Especially in Victorian times, like, it was real tough to, to be a woman in really any profession and a lot of them did turn to working on the streets and that just left them even more susceptible to being killed or beaten or robbed or raped or anything that's so, why that's why sex work should be legal oh yeah um, it should have been from the ghetto uh, australia made sex work legal divorce rates dropped and stds uh dropped as well that's amazing mm-hmm but, you know, poor America. <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> Clean it up. Regulate it. Like, make sure that people aren't getting killed. Tax you know. it. Yeah. You know, like, fucking, yeah. Just like with, any other same job. Right, same with weed. Just yeah. <clears throat> legalize it and tax the hell out of it. Everybody wins. Like, I just... I personally... Victimless crimes shouldn't be crimes. Exactly. Everyone's just trying to get off one way or another. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, as long as everybody involved is a willing participant and an adult. Yeah, yeah. Like, as long as those criteria are... Okay, I know you said human because you went to animals. (laughs) It's not... My mind went to aliens. I mean aliens, too. Like, uh, I hate my brain. If they are actually, you know what? I'm gonna include extraterrestrial beings or cryptids into this as well, as long as they have sentient thought on the level of you know how much money alien would make if there was like five alien sex workers in the world, they'd be making bank, they would be. It might collapse our economy. (laughs) <laughs> Straight up, because everyone just wants to get in there, so that's where like, all our money goes. Right? <laughs> oh, that's a bad idea. I'm going back to humans only. Don't need to be inadvertently destroying the U.S. dollar. <laughs> God, this got a weird topic. God, I love this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, back to a very real thing that happened in Victorian England. Slapping some alien cheeks. <laughs> Um, so, uh, even though the police had finally started looking at this possible killer, um, they, they weren't able to keep him from killing at least one more victim, um, and attempting to kill another one. Um, the attempted was a woman named Lou, I'm sorry, Lou Harvey, who was kind of my hero in this story. Um, she She was She is. 
she was given pills by cream or neil in this case for her <laughs> complexion like apparently the london air affected her complexion and they were supposed to have a meeting after they like i'm i'm assuming the the meeting was of a personal and business nature um so harvey is smart and she's like yeah i'm not taking pills from this rando so she throws it into the thames and into the what she, the the river thames oh it's okay spelled thames but she uh she still tried to keep her appointment like she still showed up he didn't though because he yeah, he wasn't like, she wasn't expecting her to show up. No, not was, at all. Oh, you're here. How are the pills working? Yeah, <laughs> like he was just expecting her to be dead and just kind of continued on his merry way. Then Cream, <laughs> he's so stupid. He <laughs> befriends a former New York City detective by the name of John Haynes. Oh, God. And Oh, uh, like, wait. Is this like a Gacy thing? Like, oh, I'm going to befriend the cops. I think it was like he was attempting that. Like I don't think he was trying to be like, um, like oh if I do this then they won't try to arrest me. I think it was like he just wanted to flaunt himself. Okay. Because the first thing he decides to <laughs> do is dazzle his newfound friend with his knowledge of the murdered victims, going so far oh. as to give Haynes a tour. Of where each body was located and extensive details of each killing, including Lou Harvey's, who was still very much alive at this point. Jesus Christ. So, How are these people serial killers? <laughs> so Haynes is like, This is like, how do you know so much about these murders? This is really interesting. And Cream says, Oh, I've been following them in the newspapers. And Haynes had been two, but he didn't remember reading about Lou Harvey. So police start talking to the ladies who um, Victorian slang calls them unfortunate women, which is <laughs> like, I unfortunate. guess it's, it's a very unfortunate name. It's better than a lot of the other slang, though. So at least there's that. So they start talking with them and they find out um, that Minnie had seen a man matching Cream's description. So he was arrested and brought to trial. And he's like, the, the first part of the trial, he's like, yeah, it's cool, whatever, you guys don't got nothing, don't care. And then Lou Harvey walks in and takes the stand. And Cream was visibly startled. So thanks to her testimony of yeah he gave me this stuff and like he started telling people where I was found dead like <laughs> kind of smoking okay gun. hold on hold on hold on I understand what you've been telling me but it's just now registering why is he telling this cop like oh yeah she died right here when there was no knowledge of any because she's still alive he didn't know she was still alive. He but assumed still, he assumed she died. But why is he assuming she died where he's telling the cop where she died? Yeah, because he's just that 
arrogant. That doesn't make any fucking sense. It has to be ignorant. There's no way he's that arrogant because that just doesn't make any sense. It's got to be a little bit of A and a little bit of B. God damn it. He's just pissing me off. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was, I was understanding everything you were saying, but then I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was, I think he started getting that, like, I'm smarter than the cops kind of mentality that yeah. especially for that era that a lot of the killers had yeah and yeah just they they start to feel like unstoppable so yeah so he was sentenced to death and that was carried out on November 15th 1892 and then one of the things, like, he could have largely been forgotten because, like, he was a, a fairly proficient serial poisoner. Mm-hmm. But, like, by and large, not terribly interesting, just kind of not the smartest man alive. But one of the things that is endured is his hangman, like, reportedly claimed that as cream was going through the gallows trap door he said i am jack the and then he was hanged so it got cut short so people have been speculating no, that i don't believe was, that that he was and because of his choice of targets that he was trying to claim that he was jack the ripper there's a bunch that's wrong with that like jack the ripper was like you might not know this but he liked to cut people up and that's why they were called him the Ripper, right. not Jack the Poisoner. So, oh, so that's why I was saying, no, I don't believe that. Yeah, not for a second. Like, he does have, a lot of people think that Jack the Ripper was a doctor because he did seem to have a, yeah, a doctor, knowledge of anatomy. A doctor or a butcher. Yeah. So, like, he meets that. But there's this book um, called the jack the ripper a to z which is a really awesome um like reference book it's super thick and it's just chock full of info like they point out that cream was very much accounted for because he was in joliet prison in illinois while Mm -hmm. the white chapel murders were taking place in 1888 yeah see so he (laughs) absolutely could not be jack the ripper he was just like I'm dying already. Let's see. Let I want my name to be out there. Is and what it's it was. entirely possible that the hangman just made that up. Oh yeah, definitely. So did he have any actual last words or last uh, meal or anything? Not that was recorded. Oh, I love last words. I don't know why. Me too. I've it's got just a so whole interesting. Thing dedicated to him. It's just so interesting. Like I don't know because like I always thought like what would my last words be? But I'm like, well, if I'm getting like executed i'm not ever like i don't have that mentality to do things to get me executed so my last words are gonna be me pleading my innocence right Try, trying not to die i think it would depend on like how i go like which uh like if it's if it's an execution or if it's just like I get caught doing something really dumb. And, uh, <laughs> like, it's just a really bad accident. That, and then my, my last words are more 
humorous and they endure time because of that. I don't know. I don't know. When I think last words, I just always think execution. I usually do because that's like there's very few other times that those are recorded. One of my favorite last words um, would probably be Gacy. Kiss my ass. Yeah. It's nice and <laughs> to the point. To the point, yep. Like, so it, it's so cool that you bring up Gacy because, um, you know, his uh, famous Pogo the Clown painting. Mm hmm. Jessica has like a smaller canvas. So I was like, you should totally do a Gacy, the Gacy painting. Cause I was like, I know, I know she can do it. And I was like, just do it. Like, it'd be so cool. I'd want to hang it up. But at the same time, like, I think it'd be like a really cool, like giveaway or something at some point. That would be really cool. Like, cause obviously we're never going to be able to get our hands on an original Gacy. Plus <laughs> I like ethically have things against that. Like, right. Like, he's dead now, so it's not like he's making any money off of it, but still, I just... Well, and now they're not allowed to make money off of it. Yeah. You know who I hate? That fucking... What is it? Ghost Adventure? Is that what it is? Uh, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we bring him up every episode. We're up. Fuck that guy. I hate him. <laughs> oh, I he just bought Gacy's house or the land, the land that uh, Gacy's house is on, I'm pretty sure. That's what but... I thought, yeah. <sighs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, I don't I don't really have strong opinions one way or the other about him, but I do not appreciate that move. Buying the house? Yeah. What's that? Like I absolutely would, but like I wouldn't try to like because I know he's gonna try to make a profit off of it. Oh definitely, and, yes. Like that's like uh Lizzie Borden's house went up for um, sale not too long ago. It's like a bed and breakfast now or something. And I would absolutely buy that because it's gorgeous. I appreciate the history, but I wouldn't like open it up and do tours and stuff and like, oh, look, this is where people died. Like, that just, that's not my cup of tea. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to try to make money off of it. Yeah. If I had the money to, you know, let's say, you know, buy the Winchester house, oh, I would. God. It would be, be a his, it would be a historical site. You can come in and see the house. It would be like yeah, a free, it would be a free great. thing, you know, like a donation only, like for upkeep and shit like that. But it wouldn't by any means be like, here's pay twenty five dollars to come wander around the house. Yeah, that's just like I don't know. That's just too morbid. Like absolutely, if you could do it in a respectful way, like exactly. um, these were. Lizzie's mother, oh, stepmother and father, these were their lives, you know, learn about them, learn about Lizzie, too, because, you know, technically she was acquitted, so legally, she was not their killer. Um, <laughs> Although she definitely was their killer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, no, okay, so he hasn't done it. He wants to buy John Wayne Gacy's brain. Oh, yeah, that, you know, honestly... Like, because Gacy, like, wanted people to have his brain, um, I'm not against that idea, but I do think it should be in with medical professionals to, yeah, we'll see. you know, examine it. But I think they've pretty much already done all they can. He has a lot of Charles Manson items in his haunted yeah. museum. Like, Fuck okay, off. that Fuck right off. Here, 
makes me know that he doesn't actually believe in ghosts because there's no way in hell somebody that's like let me go investigate these ghosts these ghosts are definitely real and they're definitely gonna haunt me let's fill my house with as much ghost magnets as possible <laughs> there's just no way <coughs> excuse me um so by that logic you're saying um the warrens also don't believe in ghosts well they're aren't they both dead yeah they're both they're dead, dead. So, I mean, yeah. Not to speak so, ill of the dead, but they were definitely con people. <laughs> they, yeah, they, I, I don't have any respect for them either. Like, uh, yeah, it's just preying on people, and I don't appreciate that. Exactly. Like, uh, like they're important figures, and that they did really help, like, quote unquote, demonology, like, kind of get more of an interest in the public and like so I can't like deny everything that they did is like that they didn't do anything of benefit but I'm I don't hold them in high regard. No, because just con people have to con people, it's just people take over and new people pop off. And yeah. I mean Zach, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, in that, if, in that like, regard. If they spun it like they were entertainers then I'd be super cool with it. Like like pro wrestlers, for instance. Like they call it uh, sports entertainment. They yeah, because... call wrestlers talent. Like we all know that it's right. A well show. The, like like yeah, like like the um the storylines are all scripted. We all we know that. We yeah. know that they know who's gonna win the fight before it happens. Yeah. The only thing that's not fake is the stunts that they're you oh know the, the and the, the stuff that they're the, the stuff that they're they put themselves through exactly like everybody knows that it's I guess quote unquote not real but you know aspects of it are yeah exactly and, and that's how like, that's how it would be with this yeah if like ghost hunters frame themselves like you know what we're experiencing isn't actually real we're just putting it into like an entertaining way because like so I used to be part of a ghost hunters association. And uh, it's not camera friendly. Like, there's a lot of really boring, really tedious, really not interesting things. Like, you don't walk into a house and you're like, oh, I felt something push me. Like, it's not like that. It's like we spent, we had four cameras that were set up to record while we were gone. And then we spent... Like, I think five hours in one sitting with everybody looking at a different camera all at the same time in complete silence, waiting for something weird to happen. Right. And then we'd analyze that one. Like, we'd write down anything that we saw, and then we'd go back and we'd analyze it. And, like, that's super not television appropriate. <laughs> and so, like, I get that, you know, they need to, to spice it up, make it, you know, watchable. But just don't make it seem like oh yeah this is 100 real all of it right especially like the um the taps i don't know what, what one that was yeah there are live shows you ever watch those no I people have like people have like ripped those apart because like there's some things you can see that are just staged as fuck oh i believe and like like where they fuck up yeah and it's like it's not expecting a ghost to just like appear and perform on demand. Like they're ghosts, man. They don't care about you. Right. Like you're just off in their business. Yeah. 
Like, get out of here, dumbass. Oh, uh, man, we had a lot of tangents today, but I, that's, why, that's why I like it. It's fun. So, oh, that is not, that is my sad story. That is not what I want to read. No, it's, it's <clears throat> mind bleach time. Mind bleach? All right, so do you want to hear the one about the dog or the old lady? Let's do dog. And this article was not very well written. I'll tell you that right now because I read it. <laughs> and I, like, it... <sighs> Like, it's pretty much the same... St- it's the same story, but they tell it twice in, like, two different ways. You know how some oh, of articles... Yeah. yeah. Dogs are amazing creatures, aside from being humans' constant companion, that can also come to our rescue in times of need. One amazing testament to this is the story of how a dog helped a child who was about to freeze to death. It happened in Siberia, Russia, a Russian uh, region known for having one of the coldest climates in the world. Yeah, a two-year-old child... <laughs> Uh, a two-year-old child who had been abandoned on a cabin's front porch while it was freezing cold outside. A dog who lived in the cabin where the child was abandoned rushed to help and wrapped his body around a little boy to keep him warm. This heroic, this heroic act kept the boy to survive for two days until some neighbors noticed the dog and went to check on him. They were shocked to discover that the young boy was actually uh, lying underneath the dog. They both survived, and although the boy suffered from acute hypothermia, he got better thanks to the dog's heroic act. The mother oh. of the child has been identified and charged for neglecting her child. Yeah, for two days? Two like, days. Come on. <sighs> All right, like, well, that was the happy story. Go follow Sarah's page, Today in Horror History. Yes. And then transition to Meredith. You rang? <laughs> oh, <Here> shit. <laughs> Surprise. Poorly rehearsed, but here we are. That wasn't rehearsed. I'm so scared. Not at all. What are you talking about? It's totally organic and natural. Where did Sarah go? Uh, She had to step out to, to, I don't know. Fight some demons. Uh, Fight some crime. All right, so today I'm going to talk about the bummer that is Terry Lynn Hollis. Okay, so Torrance, California. Oh, also this is Thanksgiving themed, so there you go. It's in time for the Ooh. holiday, which is next week, so what's up? American Thanksgiving, anyway. This is true. This is true. Uh, anyway, so Torrance, California, November 23rd, 1972. An 11-year-old Terry Lynn Hollis and her 16-year-old brother Randy were having a pleasant Thanksgiving with their family. Terry was known in her community as friendly and sprightly girl who never hesitated to say hello. So Terry, on that day, being a stereotypical 11-year-old, was going a bit stir-crazy because, you know, you're waiting for, like, mom to finish up the food and, like, you just want to be done with it. And so she's like, hey, I'm going to go outside and play on my bike. And her parents were like, yeah, you know, it's 3 p.m. Like, why not knock yourself out? Because this is also the 1970s where most people left their doors unlocked and the children uh, the children in the community, their biggest worry was what they were going to do after school. To be fair, the Hmm? whole... What is what do they call it? Helicopter parenting? Yeah. That's a very very much so millennial thing. Yeah, it's because it's, even 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 just me like I know damn well I don't know about you, but me growing up, the they really talked about the streetlights. The streetlights were still the curfew when I was growing up. Like once those streetlights were on, that's when you started going so, home. So was me though. So that was like that with me. Right, right. That's, that's what I'm, it was like that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. Like that, like. The way children are being raised now is completely different to even how it was 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, lots of really bad shit happens. Like, <laughs> right. <I get> it. <laughs> um, also, I think it depended on the age of 
us kids growing up, like if we were like under five, yeah, like, clearly we were being so clearly we were being supervised. Uh, but I would say like, hey, by the time we're ten, yeah, it was like, hey, just stay in the cul-de-sac or don't go too far, and you know, when the streetlights come out, then... right, you're you're only allowed to go down to this house. Yeah, like you had <laughs> parameters, you know, so like you weren't allowed to go like elsewhere. So yeah, I, I think a lot of the helicopter parenting stuff, I feel like most of it's really exaggerated. I don't think it's actually I think it's it's the fake news and the media. The fake news media. No, I think it's a reason why like it's just giving people that are boomers who created that environment reasons just to hate us for some reason. So <sighs> they hate us because they ain't us. Mm, right. That's what's up. They want that youth. <laughs> yeah but apparently i think like back in the 70s they were probably a little bit more unsupervised it might have been like yeah hey go have fun don't get in trouble or set anything on fire right and most people like went anywhere and everywhere all times of the day without too much worry however night begins to fall and she hasn't arrived she hasn't come back yet so her family begins to worry they go all through the like the neighborhood they can't find her so they call the police and reporter is missing when the police got there around 9 p.m., they also looked for her, but they could not. she could not be found. This is because Terry's not in the neighborhood. She's actually 70 miles away at the bottom of a cliff at Point Mingu near Oxnard, where she'd be found by fishermen the next day. Autopsies would, would show that uh, she'd been sexually assaulted, because, yeah, that sucks, uh, and horrible, mm-hmm. and choked to death. But who could have done such a thing? Police come through the numerous suspects in the neighborhood, primarily focusing on sex offenders, and conduct more than 2,000 interviews. They arrest one suspect within a month, but due to lack of evidence, the charges were dropped and he was, and the case goes cold. So during some time between this, the 1970s and 2000s, uh, the case actually closes. They close the case. But then when the DNA sort of, there's some advancements in that, we have... So was it like a closed case like we have no evidence we're just going to kind of put this one yeah on the, one okay. on the, like put like kind of shelf it i wouldn't okay. say close it as in resolve it but close it as in like you're kind of shelving it right as in we have other things we got to focus on right now yeah we don't have a lead like we've we've tried everything we just it's just not there they did keep like the dna that they got off of her body um and of course i'm sure like they ran prints or whatever but it wasn't in the system i, I don't know i don't know or maybe there wasn't prints. It didn't specify, but they did have the DNA because of the assault, unfortunately. Right. Um, yeah. So in the early 2000s, they reopened the case out of nowhere and they like get the DNA evidence that was pre- preserved from Terry's body and they upload it to the FBI's combined DNA index system, which is like codex. Uh, but unfortunately, nothing pings. And so the case goes dormant again until 2008. And what happens Noise. in 2000, no, not 2008, sorry, 2018, way later. Noise. Way later, 18 years later, which is a bummer. But what happened in 2018? Um, um, the fuck, the DNA thingies. Yes, the Golden State Killer is caught through ancestral partial DNA magic. So they're like, oh, wait, we caught this guy with that? Let's go ahead and do it with this case and see what comes up. And finally, we get a match, and that's Jake Edward Brown. So at, at the time when this attack happened, Brown was 36. He's originally from Hawaii, served in the Korean War, but also seemed to move around a lot. He also went by Thomas Tracy Burham, 
which was his birth name that he later legally changed to Jake Edward Brown at some unspecified time. He'd been convicted of two rapes since the time of Terry's death, but unfortunately, and this will make you mad, he passes away on August 30th, 2003 in Tempe, Arizona, from alleged medical complications, and he was homeless or transient at time of death, which, good. Yeah, yeah. I hope it. I hope that really sucked for you, bud. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, I told you this, oh, this is a short one. Uh, in a press conference on September 11th of 2019, so this year, Torrance police confirmed that Brown was indeed her killer. And though Terry's parents had long since departed, her older brother Randy was there to hear the news. When you think about it, he says, 47 years, it's amazing to come this to come to this day. I only wish my parents were alive to see this. That's always the unfortunate thing with these older cases. It really is. But like at least her brother got closure. And also what it sounds like is that uh, the California like sort of police in general, they're now kind of like looking into him and following his timeline to try to see if he can, if he thinks up with anything else. Right. Um, because before he was only really busted for like rape charges, but it's clear that, you know, he's willing to kill if he has to. Right, he was doing other shit. Yeah, yeah. So it's very possible that there's these cold cases out there that are collecting dust that maybe he was the culprit of. So, so that gives you some hope, I guess. Do you know... The other two murders he was, con- or the other two rapes he was convicted of, did he kill them or were they, were they just rapes? No, it was just rapes. So I wonder if she was strangled to death. I wonder if it was um, like an accidental murder. It, it might have been, but it's also that like we can't rule out that he didn't have a quote unquote accident again. Right. You know, and also I think it's really sketchy that he changed his name all of a sudden because it means that like, and, and I did. I did find like his uh, ancestry.com page and it just, it didn't say when he changed his name. It just said that he did have a name change. So like he might've changed it after the ordeal with Terry to kind of like lay low and maybe like shake some of the heat. But uh, it sounds like he was just a transient at the time when this happened, he just scooped her up. So I don't know. There's a lot of questions there. And this is kind of like, we solved one mystery, but this is also opening up so many more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that hey if we're able to track down and kind of have a better timeline on where he was at and his sort of travel patterns we could possibly sync this up to a lot a lot of other crimes that happened yeah i mean hopefully if i mean hopefully i don't know like that's just that's a a double-edged sword right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really is because like that's not great but if he did commit more crimes at the same time you get the closure yeah you do and like i'm glad that her brother was still alive because he said that like it changed their lives forever and also ooh, i did find now i don't know if i want to plug this website because i'm pretty sure this is a multi-level marketing scheme but uh the guy who runs this webpage called green thp uh called dr roger hendrix actually was her neighbor at the time and he said that when I scroll down to the page, because that was kind of interesting, because I was like, oh, cool, I finally got like a first hand account of from a neighbor talking about it. Right. Yeah. And he said that Terry's father would roam the street every day for the next several years as a self-appointed watchman, trying with every bit of energy his body and mind could muster to protect all of our children in the neighborhood. Which her, oof. her, her father. Yeah, her father did that after she was abducted and killed. Right. Yeah. I mean, which, oof. That's sad, but at the same time, I mean, kudos to him for 
putting that upon on himself. I mean, that could have just been him trying to dis- to distract himself. Yeah, or try um, to make it know. right in a strange way, right. or maybe catch him, maybe find the guy. You know, right. yeah. But that's like, you know, sad. Like, like that's no no parent should have to bury their kid, and least of all bury them in such a with such a horrific reason as to why. Right. Yeah, yeah. But fortunately, hey, this at least this book was finally closed, and uh, if this guy did do anything else, then maybe we can help them out too. And that's also why, like, man, twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen have been such fantastic years for cold cases because like because of the partial dna like because exactly like it's so cool mm-hmm. that, like that people are actually doing it like the only ones that have anything to fear are the fucking people that did some shit yeah or people that are kind of like they can get kind of weirdly conspiracy theory about it being like it's gonna sell it to a company and they're gonna clone you i'm like they're not gonna they're not gonna clone you man i'm not like, i'm not i'm not worth cloning are you kidding no no but you can't force anyone to do the whole ancestry DNA thing and find out what type of white person they are. So, <laughs> like, what type, what flavor of mayonnaise are you? I want to know. Like, I actually want to do one of those just because, like, you know, my dad's dad wasn't his dad. So I was like, who am I? Well, hey, yeah, because didn't you say that your dad found out that who he thought was his dad was not his dad after doing something like that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's crazy. Ooh, like, crazy. I just like because we're not Irish, even though we have an Irish last name, because yep. because of all that. So now I want to know like what my ethnicity is. Yeah, see, because I, I love potatoes and meat, but now that I'm not Irish, it doesn't make sense. Well, you are from Michigan though, and that's like the staple mm. out there. Meat and potatoes. Mm. Yeah, meat and taters. Got any of them French fried potatoes? Yeah, mm. uh, them French fried potatoes. All right, Swing Blade. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, did you do the uplifting article? At the well, end? I have to. I did one for both of you. Yay! Then good. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I was so delayed. No, it's okay. I was like paused. I was wait one for both of us. Well, that's cool. So, do you want me to do the exit then? Okay. We got to do the plugging stuff. Oh, the plugging stuff. We got to uh, do that. Fun stuff. Um. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dead Talk Pod. Email us the Dead Talk Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook. Yes, Facebook. <laughs> we got the Facebook group and Facebook page. And there go, ahead, yeah, go follow Sarah's Today in Horror History. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Crackalack Beats, for the use of our intro and outro. So let me... Oh, fuck. Where'd the story go? Shit! Did you lose it? I have it right here. And it's a sad story, but it's a good story. It's a whole... It's a bittersweet? Yes. Like, it's sweet because it's bitter. Okay. All right. This is posted on November 8th. It is now November 20th. In 2017, a 90-year-old woman from Missouri, Wanda, decided she'd had enough of being alone. She lived all by herself with no friends and her children had lives of their own, far away from her. As shared by KTVU... Jeez, Tika, can you get louder? (laughs) As shared by KTVU on Facebook, a sweet old lady wrote a heartbreaking letter to her neighbor who lived on the street. Marlene Brooks came home to the note and her heart was flooded with guilt and sadness. Wanda didn't even know her neighbor's name, and her letter read, Miss, then a question mark, 
Would you consider to become my friend? I'm 90 years old. Live alone. All my friends have passed away. I'm so lonesome and scared. Please, I pray for someone. Oh my god. <laughs> that is so sad. I know. So Brooke sent a photo of the letter to KTVU Frank Somerville, which I'm assuming that he's like a uh, news anchor. I don't know. Huh? So Frank, how you doing, man? Um, and he also and also shared it on her page with a caption, came home to this note from a lady that lives down the street from me. Makes my heart sad. On the bright side, it looks like I'll be getting a new friend. Aww. Wanda had lost one of her sons to cancer the previous year. Her two surviving sons have have la Words are hard. Her two surviving sons have lives of their own, although one of them lives close to her, but not close enough. Wanda's, Wanda suffers from poor health as she's battling with congestive heart failure, osteoporosis, and she requires artificial oxygen. Brooks and her daughter went over to Wanda's to visit with a batch of cupcakes to celebrate the new friendship. The old lady's joy knew no bounds, and she received her new BFF. According to Brooks, Wanda had said during the visit, I hope you didn't think I was stupid for writing you, but I had to do something. Thank you so much for coming over. I lived here for 50 years and don't know any of my neighbors. She's been so alone that she was forced to break out of her comfort zone and make new friends. The culture of isolating the elderly should be abhorred in modern society. I'm not sure what that word means, but I'm sure it's, like, bad. Yeah, it means, like, the uh, 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 revolting. Right. Disgusting. Yeah. We need to take care of our elderly the way the Japanese take care of theirs. Yeah, there needs to be less stigma, you know, around being old. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to make friends as a teenager is hard enough, much less with, as an ailing, terrified 90-year-old. She'd watched many of her friends pass away, and she was left with, she was left alone and cut off from the rest of the world. Loneliness has become a public health issue for the elderly. According to the National Academy of Sciences, social isolation increases the risk of mortality in people aged 52 and above. It affects their mental well-being and puts a strain on their fragile hearts. As we age, we become more vulnerable to social isolation because everyone thinks the, quote, old lady sitting on her porch probably just wants to be alone. This is not true. They need companionship and friendship even more than the younger generation. Yeah. It's true. Yes. It's important to. Re- <laughs> I mean, just, uh, just working where I work now. Like, just when I speak with the older people, like they're so grateful that someone's taking the time to s- sit there and talk to them and help them understand and help them with anything they have. Like, it's insane. Like, I, the, my last call of the day was this old lady uh, freaking out that her policy was going to last because she was in the hospital and she mm-hmm. hadn't paid her bill. Yeah. Which it, it was it was going to here in the next couple of weeks, but and she last time she tried to make a payment, for whatever reason it didn't go through the bank. Okay, yeah. So I took her payment over the phone, and then I, and then she's like, "Well, if I send in another check, will that pay for next month if this one goes through?" I was like, "I was like, yeah." I was like, "Of course, like you can go ahead and do that as well." And I told her, because I already thought she was still worried. So I was like, "You know what?" I was like, "I'm gonna write your policy number down. I'm gonna make sure I take a look at it every day, and if." Yeah, like so either way i'll know if the check comes back or if it goes through but either way i'll give you a call when i know something okay like, that's really sweet of you right and i was like okay well like i like i just wanted like i could tell she was like really worried she like kept saying i've had it for so long i don't want to lose it it's like you were in the hospital you, yeah, you're trying that. to make your payment like like we're not gonna like just haha you can't have your policy yeah yeah of course of course and she probably needs it if she is sick <laughs> like right she had like hip surgery or something like that but she was definitely like a older lady yeah, yeah. Well, that's really that was really kind. 
Yeah, I like my job sometimes. Yeah, well, it's nice to be able to, like, affect people in, like, a really big and meaningful way like that. <sighs> I forgot where I was. It's okay. I think, I think we know, because this yeah. is just going to talk about more, like, how much it sucks that the elderly are very lonely. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> she said, I also made sure that Wanda knew she can call us at any time, and that I'll be back to spend time with her. I'm sure Wanda and I will have some great times. There are so many others out there who are lonely as Wanda. I would ask that maybe you consider knocking on their door and saying hi. I know it would mean the world to them. And who knows, maybe you'll make a new friend. That's true. And also, like, like good on, like, the elderly neighbors of Wanda. Yeah. Okay, like, it's it, like good on Wanda for like having the balls. Wait, just Wanda, for... Wanda's the yeah the older old lady. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the ninety year old. Like, like good on her for having the balls to like write a note like that. Because like sometimes like all you have to do is ask. Right. <laughs> you know? That's like, well, I mean, like, wild. I wish me. Sarah was here right now because that's literally just what happened with like, the three of us. Yeah, all you have to do is ask. I literally posted, you know, hey, anyone wants to start a podcast? And now me, you, Megan, and Sarah were friends. And, yeah. you know, she's off doing her own thing now. But mm-hmm. Sarah's still here. And I was like, hey, I think Sarah would be a cool guest to have. And now she's a our friend circle. We have a group chat. And yeah, it's just... yeah, it's great. Because, like, again, all you have to do is ask. Right. <laughs> like, you know, that's the, that's the wild thing about life. Just ask. It's okay. Because, like, if, if nothing comes... First thing you say is no. Yeah, and that's not a big deal. Or nothing comes of it. Or you get ignored. That's okay. Just ask. Right. Yeah. Can I have some of your sandwich? Can I say, get me? away from me. We're at the bus station. Or get away from me. I don't know you. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. I'll give you some of their sandwich so you leave them alone. Yeah, just like throw it down the hallway, make them chase it. Yeah.